back to another episode of the Nothing But Nets podcast. I'm your host, Dave Early. This is a Clutch Points pod. Joined with me as always, I have Greg Dennis. Greg, you ready to uh, spew some fire like you did last week? That's what I'm known for, Dave. Looking forward to it. You, you had the, such uh... ferocious takes last week that I got to, that I like wrote them up. People were like, Oh, you wrote that? I, I, I didn't. I thought that was like a national media piece. So <laughs> I, I feel a little slighted, but that's fine. I appreciate the uh, promo. Yeah, the, your um, your Ben Simmons ain't coming back take got written up. Your usage of Blake Griffin's corpse, um, saying that Ben would be an instant upgrade over guys like James Johnson, which, as we record this, has been waived to make room for Kessler Edwards NBA standard contract. What do you think of that? Are you, are you somehow making the link that my comment led to his release? Because I don't want that. Like that feels like a lot of responsibility. Between your comments that the, that there was national media coverage about your podcast take and that now maybe your influence is why Sean Marks did this is arguably delusions of grandeur, but you've got us off on the right foot. Appreciate it. Just speaking it into existence. I think you might be speaking a lot of things into existence. <laughs> um, but I hope you're not speaking Ben Simmons ain't coming back into existence because wouldn't wouldn't like the idea that this herniated disc is just too much for him to overcome. Um, so you're it sounds like you're still holding out hope that he is coming back, which I, I think I mean I, I I can appreciate the optimism. Well, you gave it like a 15% chance last week. So you're saying there's a chance. That's true. Although it's been seven more days now without any positive um, updates. So the, the percentages naturally have gone down. Yeah. Um, he, he was seen shooting. He was rebounding for Patty Mills like he did in Philadelphia. Um, so, you know, I guess he was sitting on the bench. He's doing more stuff. If there's a road for ramp up, I would think it, you wouldn't see it until maybe like the conference finals. But your point was essentially, if you're at that point, now you're going to need him because you can't trot out who would have been James Johnson. You can't trot out Kessler Edwards. Um, that, I guess that's your scenario where you would see him. But like you said, starting to feel uh, more and more unlikely. Unfortunately, it, it is. Um, but you know, that hasn't stopped him from um, really expressing flair and style on the sidelines. Uh, you know, he's wearing sunglasses last at night Square Garden. In the garden, some great chains, um, very colorful outfits. So, you know, while he may not be on the court, you certainly feel his presence. Yeah. Um... Let's talk about that game at the Garden. So the Nets are trailing by 21, and I'm starting to hot. You know, I'm on Twitter. I'm seeing everyone sort of pronouncing them for dead. Like, you're playing this bad at this time of the year. This was a must-win game to try to lock up that seven seed, and you're getting blasted by Jericho Sims and Alec Burks. Um, and I wasn't, you know, I was kind of okay with that. I was like, yeah, I mean, if they make the playoffs, they're going to get spanked by Miami or the Bucks, the way they're playing right now. And then, of course, they uh, they go on a run. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving kind of 
kind of an ideal atmosphere for them in that game because it was a playoff atmosphere in terms of the arena, but not a playoff caliber opponent or talent, uh, not to burn the Knicks too hard, but that's, that's exactly what they were looking for. Just the feeling that the game was really, really important without a, a true test because a good team would have beaten them last night. Yeah, like you said, you know, it was a really important game. Um, I don't think there's any doubt that the Nets want this seventh seed, uh, or at the very least, they've got to do what it takes to stay in the seven, eight range. And, um, you know, like you said, they were fortunate that they played a bad team, um, that they knew they could come back on. They had done it earlier in the season. So, you know, once they cut the lead down to like 14, 15, I actually kind of thought they were, I, didn't, I mean, I wasn't surprised at all that they, that they came back and won the game. No, yeah. If, when they were down by 10 or so, I was thinking this is nothing. They're basically winning. When they were down by 21, then I did think that the Knicks uh, were going to win. But uh, I certainly wouldn't have completely counted them out. We got plenty of fun quotes from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving before and after this game. You know, Durant was essentially talking about what it's like to live in New York. It's in a unique position that they're in. So you you blatantly snub everyone in New York's favorite basketball team by joining the Nets. And then you live there and interact with those people on a regular basis all the time. And so he, you know, he gave you a glimpse into what it's like to walk in his shoes in New York City. Um, he said it's basically all love on the streets, but he does get his his jabs and barbs here and there, especially on social media. Um, the reporters were laughing when he was like, you know, people send me bing bong videos. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of what they knew that they were signing up for. I mean, I, I don't know if they thought part of the excitement of them coming here would be turning New York into, you know, more more Nets fans and kind of stealing away Knicks fans. But I don't think that's really been the case. And I don't think that they mind either. Um, New York will always be a Knicks town, but, you know, I, I don't think that they're any worse for it. I think that they like having sort of their own franchise. And, um, you know, you can tell by the quotes throughout. You heard Kyrie last night mention that they almost signed with the Knicks. I wasn't really sure what to make of that. Was that like a poke or a taunt, or was that like just a candid moment? I I, I don't know. Well, why tough, don't we why don't we to read it? Why don't we zap Ruder his quote a little bit because it was very interesting. Um, he starts off talking about like the different social media personalities that both he and KD have. Um, and so he's saying like, I, I really don't give an explanation. You guys know me. I throw darts in the air and just wait for people to assume whatever they want. Am I lying? And the reporters are all laughing. Like, no, we we're trying to figure out what the hell you mean all the time on social media. And then he says, and Kay has a certain type of way contrasting his own, you know, like Duran is a little bit sarcastic and kind of pointed talking about if he doesn't like a Nick, Wright, I might call him little Nicky. Stuff like that. <laughs> Whereas Kyrie will just post like an like an image of like a firewalker. Um and then he said, I think one of the funniest things that I see out there, probably from Knicks fans, this is still Kyrie speaking, is just like me and Kay are perfect for each other. 
because of the way we, re- we respond on social sometimes. But I think it's all in good fun. And they had a good chance of getting us back in free agency. But we just felt like we wanted to build here and just make my mark on this franchise. I don't think we regret our decision. And we just want to live with really leaning on each other and making sure this is successful for us. So I, I emphasized some parts that he did not, he was waffling back and forth between the singular and the collective. I thought was interesting. You know, we wanted to build something here with, and leave my mark on the franchise. I don't think we regret our decision. So I feel like at sometimes he's speaking for them both. Other times he's speaking for himself. What do you think? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know exactly what to draw from that. You know, at the time that they were making that decision, you remember KD, he had the ruptured Achilles. He knew he wasn't going to be playing the next season. I've always wondered how much that influenced not only the decision, but who was kind of driving the decision. Um, you know, because when you listen to a lot of the quotes, I, I guess I wonder, you know, how much of it was Katie looking at the medical team or the logistics for what his rehab would look like and how much of it was Katie kind of uh, deferring more than he would have to Kyrie because Kyrie was the one who was going to be playing the following season. Mm. We know Kyrie was from Jersey. The Nets were from Jersey. Maybe if it was a situation where they were really on the fence, that all those different dynamics kind of came into play and the Nets, uh, sort of a tie goes to the runner situation, were the runner in that, in that moment. <laughs> I don't know. We might never know. But uh, all possibilities. Yeah, I think, I think the, the beef between KD and Draymond Green was very real at the time. And... You know, you, you remember that was like a big thing. And like we started thinking Kevin Durant is out of there because of his beef with Draymond. These guys can't stand each other. They're going to have to get rid of Green. Um, but when it seemed like Durant was the one who wanted to leave, then that kind of solved it all. I, I started to believe he was coming to the Knicks. And I have heard rumors from what I believe is a credible source that it was Durant who was willing and content to come to the Knicks. But Kyrie Irving was not. There's the old you know sort of mythical story now that was it fat joe was in a club and was begging kyrie irving to come join the knicks and kyrie was like no i don't want you know <laughs> i'm not gonna go play for james dolan I, I you know i'm from you know I grew, I grew up i was born in the bronx and i grew up in new jersey so i think that it was kyrie persuading durant between the two franchises um, that's not, you know, that's not like rock solid reporting. That's just what I've heard. And that's my theory. So when I hear him saying stuff like, I don't think we regret that decision. I just wanted to make my mark on this franchise. I think like you said, Durant was content to defer a little bit. And so Kyrie's speaking for both of them when he says, I don't think we regret our decision. Meaning I certainly don't regret mine. Maybe Kev does. That's how I heard that, but who knows? Um, what was very interesting was that he said, and they had a good chance of getting us back in free agency. So you wonder, makes me think of 2010 with the Knicks. Like, wasn't there a rumor that, well, the Knicks had like a Sopranos video for LeBron James 
Um, but the optics of like Donnie Walsh was in a wheelchair that didn't go over well or something. And they, they didn't get LeBron James. Um, so I wonder like, was there something that the Knicks did or said, did they have their, if not a Hamptons five meeting, did they get like a phone call and they botched that? I don't know. Yeah. Other thing to remember is the Knicks were very much in the running for the number one pick that year, which we know would have been Zion. They end up slipping to three. And so, you know, maybe, maybe that would have been enticing if, if they get the one or the two. I think they could have traded it right away for Anthony Davis, which would have been very enticing. Yeah, these are all things that were being discussed in the summer of 2019. But, yeah, I think, I think you summed it up pretty well. And, you know, I also – it's just hard to know because they're kind of looking back three years ago, just kind of speaking off the cuff. Like, yeah, they had a good chance to get us. Yeah, maybe, right? I mean, we don't really know. Maybe maybe there was a lot of stuff going on. But like Kyrie Irving said, I, I don't think they regret it. Also, the Nets that year, they were pretty appealing. I mean, they had made the first round of the playoffs. Their organization was getting a lot of praise and recognition for the way they had built it. They had good young pieces. They had Levert, Jared Allen, D'Angelo Russell. Um, so they were primed where even if Durant and Irving signed there, took the two max slots, I think they knew that they could improve the roster around them, which they obviously did, getting James Harden. But, yeah, I'm sure all of that was uh, a factor as well. All water under the bridge now, and we don't have to talk about this battle of the boroughs thing until next season because, like, uh, like Stefan Bondi said, the Knicks are now irrelevant. <laughs> and the only reason we talk about this stuff is because when they play the Knicks, everyone cares here locally. Um, but in terms of the finals watch, now the Nets are looking to win two home games. They need to beat Cleveland and they need to beat the Pacers, and they will be favoring both of those games. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they won both of those games pretty handily. The Cavs have been without Allen and Mobley um, lately, and not the same team by any means without that front court duo. And then the Pacers are uh, not very competitive these days, despite how good Tyrese Halliburton looks. So, if you are willing to count some chickens that have not that are not even close to hatching, you might say the Nets host the play-in. They are looking like they might host the Cleveland Cavaliers, and by then you figure maybe they would be more healthy. But you'd still like the Nets' chances in that home game, right? What do you think about everything I said? Yeah, uh, yeah I think you like if they're. I think you like their chances any game amongst any of these teams. Uh, the the key is you don't want them to have to win two in a row. You want everyone to be healthy, and. I think ideally you're right. You probably want that Cleveland game because they're compromised. They haven't been the same lately. And, you know, it's just a pretty good matchup. I don't think they'd be, I don't think they'd be afraid of anyone, obviously, but, you know, single game elimination, I would imagine they wouldn't be too excited about Trey Young. Um, Charlotte just beat them and has been playing pretty well over the last 10 games. So that's a pretty favorable spot if they can get the if they can get Cleveland and then gun for that seventh seed. Although 
you know, there will be a very difficult series awaiting them if that, in fact, plays out. Yeah, I think the Nets fans' rooting guide right now is you win out, you host a not close to fully healthy Cavaliers team. Allen had the fractured middle finger. Mobley has sprained his ankle. I think there's a chance that one of those, if not both, will be back for this big game. But at what version of themselves will they be? I don't know. Even if they were at their peak version, I think the Nets would still be the better team, to be honest. But it's another story. Uh, If you win that game, you are the seventh seed. And then you turn your eyes to the Milwaukee Bucks, Boston Celtics, uh, Philadelphia 76ers cluster at the top to see who would get that two seed. Because we know that Jason Tatum and Al Horford will not be playing tonight. By the time you listen to this, you'll already know the outcome. But we're going to go ahead and assume that the Bucks will win tonight. They are favored. And that will put them on the fast track for that two seed, in which case that's not ideal that you get your optimal play in scenario. You beat the Cavs and now you got to have to go play the Bucks. Honestly, I'd rather they, I'd rather they face Boston who won't have Robert Williams by the first round. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston really goes all out to try and get this two seed. And, you know, that's based on kind of the reporting stuff we've talked about with trying to avoid Toronto because of the uh, vaccine stuff where they might be missing key players. So, I mean, that's kind of like a worst case scenario. If, if Jalen Brown is ineligible to play in Toronto, which has been speculated, but not confirmed, but they but if can't, that's the they case, can't, they can't go all out for that two seed because they're playing now without Jason Tatum and Al Horford resting them both. So that's only one of their two remaining games. And oh, they're both out. That's confirmed. Okay. Got it. Got it. So then I guess they're not worried about that. Um, yeah, they okay. should be, but yeah, they're maybe, maybe what it tells us is that this t- patellar tendinopathy that Jason Tatum has been on the injury report while playing through is more serious than we thought, because if there's a scenario where they know that one of their key players, and there is a rumor out there that one of their frontline quote unquote frontline players is not vaccinated, then them sliding down to the four, which would happen if the Sixers were to win out. Sixers have a tough game against the Raptors, but if they win that, then there's a good chance that they win out and it's the Celtics who are in Toronto for that brutal home court advantage the Raptors will have where only vaccinated players can play. Um, Matisse Thibel is one who is not. So all these scenarios that we talked about for so long impacting Kyrie Irving are now other people's problems and that's not the worst place for the Nets to be. Yeah, we had talked for a long time about the Nets possibly being in that situation, but the Raptors are just too good. So um, they've moved up. Looks like they're going to be a five seed. They've passed the Bulls. They beat the Bulls. I think they're a full game up now. Wouldn't be surprised at all if they knock off Philly tonight, although the Sixers will be incentivized for the reasons that we just went over. So... Yeah, it's there's still a lot that can happen over these over these next two games. Yep. If the if the Raptors beat the Sixers, it will look like the Sixers will host the Raptors in round one in that four or five. If this the Raptors um, lose, then it would look like the Celtics, because I think the Celtics will lose to the Bucks, will be in that four or five. Um, and then in both of those scenarios, 
the two seed would be going through Milwaukee, I believe. So, so who is the most likely to land the highly coveted three seed and face the fraudulent Chicago Bulls? And I mean that no, not disrespectfully, but they're kind of the prize. Yeah, if the Sixers beat the Raptors, um, and as a listener, you're getting annoyed because you already know the answer to so much of this. Um, but yeah, then it would, then the Sixers would have the upper hand for that three seed. Got Otherwise, it. it's the Celtics. Okay. Got it. Got it. Interesting. Now let's talk a little bit about um, Kessler Edwards getting this uh, standard contract. Do you think like was this done? because they think he might be a rotation piece for the playoffs or is this just you know we're, we're trimming down to our nine men this made sense maybe james johnson was i don't know is it possible that he was a frustrating presence at this point uh i, I don't know if he was frustrated i think i think that that was probably weighed in and they just thought you know what we can he's not giving us anything um let's let's double down on Kess and yeah, uh, see what reading uh, let me read you a take on Twitter from Billy Reinhardt who says the Nets coaching staff leaned on James Johnson heavily this season especially of late waving Johnson over players like Blake Griffin or LaMarcus Aldridge who haven't played as much allows room for the uh, inference that the front office overruled the coaching staff in evaluating this roster I wouldn't put Aldridge in there because he's been unhealthy. When he is healthy, he's been a huge part of this team. I mean, not a ton since Andre Drummond came over, but you get the sense if he was ready to go for the playoffs, Steve Nash would trust his floor spacing and shooting because he was so good all year. But Blake, that that point is probably fair, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, Nash has kind of had these pieces – throughout the year where you're really hoping you get something from some of these veterans. And then you sort of find out as you go, that there's just not much, not much juice left. Um, but Marcus was really good early in the year. Patty Mills was Blake Griffin looked good last year. James Johnson, you're hopeful. And really none of these guys have panned out in the second half of the year. So I think that they're just thinking, let's turn to these other options at least there's an upside there yes steve nash was asked point blank why is blake not playing and why is james playing is that because of their positions and nash was like well blake's position is by far the best of the five and he was essentially playing johnson at the four so you wonder about this like did sean mark say i cannot believe that steve nash keeps playing james johnson here i gotta get rid of him i wonder if that's possible yeah, I mean, that's kind of, um, if you follow Twitter in these net sixer circles, there's a lot of people begging uh, Doc River, uh, Daryl Morey to do that for DeAndre Jordan. So it could be a similar thing. Or where, former net Paul Millsap, who was getting those minutes before Jordan started to. But either way, yeah, fans wanted to see the front office intervene and you know force the coach's hand, if you will. I, I don't know if that's happening. It's pure speculation on my part, but. Just an interesting thought process. Yeah, I mean, the fans are so sophisticated these days. I feel like they can quickly pick apart a coach's weakness uh, in a way that was just never the case before. 
yeah, someone puts out a plus minus and we're all like, what is he thinking, this coach? <laughs> Doesn't he have access to Twitter? What's right. he doing? Right. And that was a big thing for uh, Doc Rivers losing his job a couple of years ago in the bubble. Everyone was like, Vika Zubac does a better job on Nikola Jokic than Montrezl Harrell, but Harrell's getting all the minutes. What's Doc doing? And then it happened game after game to the point where it was like, these nerds on Twitter have been talking about this for two weeks now. They never, no one t- shared that tweet. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's see. One thing I was wondering about, I uh, have a question here. Do it has any regret crept in that Ben Simmons is not playing at all with his injury that they didn't just hold on to James Harden. Do you have any thoughts on that? That's a tough one. Uh, I think, you know, you look at what the Nets got in that deal and Seth Curry's out, Ben Simmons is out. Well, Curry's playing, but he's clearly not healthy. They said this could be like an off-season fix for him. Right. But yeah. So you got two guys hurt and then you've got Drummond who's been great, but obviously you didn't trade James Harden for Andre Drummond. (laughs) So I think I think it's one of those things where it's like, yes, they've compromised their chances of winning the ring this year, but they've probably improved their chances over the next three or four years. So p- pick what pick what you prefer. You know, do you do you want the longer title window, more flexibility, draft picks, or do you want you know the situation they were in, which is if everything comes together, we're probably the favorites this season. I want I want the long title window, but I want the most important year to be this current year because Durant, when he's healthy, is playing like the best player in the world. He's thirty three years old. That was not one of the options there. You got to pick one of the options. I tried to thread. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a question for you, and I feel like this is something that we owe to our listeners. It's obviously, the question of the day, the question of the week, the question of the month. Who is your MVP? Because the talk around this award is ratcheting up in a way that I don't really remember since maybe the Westbrook Harden Kawhi season, where it just feels like a polarizing topic coming down to the final stretch. And I'm curious, uh, where do you land on this? It's obviously going to come down to one of three guys. Probably one of two guys. Um, where where do you fall on this? My rooting interest is for Joel Embiid, and I would vote for Joel Embiid if I had a vote. Um, this is a Nets podcast, and Kevin Durant voted for Joel Embiid, so I'm content to defer to his uh, his scouting eye and the level of respect he clearly has for Joel, who one player like we've seen no other motivate Durant. I mean, Durant has looked so engaged. Um, t- you know, for the games that this team has played the Sixers, like it, it just brings the best out of them. Clearly a match that KD gets up for in a way that no other does. Um, so I, I would vote for Joel. My argument would be basically he's got the exact same record as the Milwaukee Bucks or they're a half game behind, but Middleton and Drew Holiday won two games of the playoffs last year when Giannis was out hurt to advance to the finals. Can you imagine Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey beating a team in the conference finals twice without Joel Embiid out there? It'll never happen. And Middleton and 
Holiday have played like combined 4,500 minutes this season. So I like Joel over Giannis there. They have the same record, but Giannis has had more help. As for Jokic, I feel like if you were making an NBA 2K roster, Jokic might be higher on the offensive end, but the difference between them is bigger on the defensive end, and that's Joel's edge. So I take Joel. Maybe he gives you 20% less offense, but he gives you 40% more defense. Uh, so he's getting my vote for that reason. What do you think? No, that makes sense. And I agree with you. I think it's been Embiid's season from start to finish. You know, you look at you look at the season and and of course performance is the should be the main criteria for the award, but there is something to be said about storylines. And I feel like the two biggest storylines this season were for better or worse. The Lakers falling flat on their face, which we had to hear about every day for the last six months, and the Ben Simmons situation. And when people look back on this season, they're probably going to remember those two storylines before anything else. Maybe. I mean, we're 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 in the Nets world, but you know, from when you zoom out, I don't know how much that'll ultimately be okay. one of the top things. But, you know, I think, I think the Simmons drama and I think the Lakers disappointment and, you know, with Jokic, yeah, he's had an amazing season, but ultimately, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just another great season in his prime where they've basically toggled between a seventh and sixth seed all year. And ultimately they're probably going to lose in the first round to either Memphis or Dallas or Golden State. So, you know, when it's that close and it's not to take anything away from Jokic, I just think uh, I lean towards Embiid, who's carried that team. They still might end up as a two seed. Like you said, he's the superior defender. He's uh, going to lead the league in scoring. He's been incredibly durable. And so, yeah, I, I would agree with you and Kevin Durant. And I would vote for Embiid, although... Um, the casinos disagree. The various straw polls that we hear about seem to disagree. So it'll be interesting. It could ultimately come down to this game that we kind of talked about um, against Toronto because they could swing anywhere from you know a two seed to a four seed. But if the Sixers it'll be got a, the Sixers got a three seed and Embiid got a scoring title, and he didn't even make and he was runner up for MVP, and he didn't even make first team All NBA. I think we would need to reevaluate a few things. It also makes you wonder where Kevin Durant would stack up if he never sprained his knee or like the whole world of basketball would be different because maybe they don't trade James Harden really upended this, uh, the next season and Nets future outlook with that, you know, fluke play, basically Bruce Brown falling into his knee. Absolutely. Um, Durant, I think he's going to finish with 55 games played which is really right on the borderline for a guy where when you're trying to decide, is he first team all NBA is he second all team NBA? Um, I don't know if you can put him ahead of Tatum for first team forward, but it's, uh, it's definitely close. I mean, you figure if one of Embiid and Jokic is one forward and then you've got Giannis, I don't and know that the voters got, are going to vote for either of them as a forward. I think it's more they likely might not. than not. Yeah. They might not. But, okay, so let's say Giannis is one forward 
and now you're deciding between T Tatum and Durant, um, you probably got to give the edge to Tatum just because the Celtics season and he's played more games. Yeah, if you were a GM being offered Tatum's full game, full slate and more games versus Durant's, I think the, the more analytic savvy move would be to take Tatum's availability, even if he's not better on a per game basis. Um, but because it's Kevin Durant, because that per game basis, it's tempting to at least have the conversation. Yeah, and, and to um, put a bow on it, Durant did have an interesting comment where he basically said he thinks the net season unraveled when he got hurt. And uh, just thought You're that was kidding. interesting. Yeah. A, because the season is far from over. But you wonder how much of that was kind of a commentary on the Harden trade. Right, because that accepting that we, uh, yeah, accepting that there was some intentional suboptimal maneuvering. Like this move, in hindsight, with Ben Simmons' back flare up, clearly doesn't help their title odds. But if you got Ben Simmons to play healthy like they expected, um, then you would have thought, well, this isn't quite as good as with James Harden, even with Curry, Drummond, and Simmons. But that's fine because it's much better for the future and doesn't put us into any of those lose lose James Harden for nothing scenarios. But now the way they're having now, like you almost consider flipping it uh, and getting Harden back just for this title run. Yeah, I, I I would agree. I would agree. Although you know they don't have to worry about giving him two hundred fifty million dollars in two months from now which Daryl Morey does. No, and if the whole thing is unfair because, you know, if, if James Harden got hurt after the trade, then they would want to flip it back. So, you know, it, we're, you can't evaluate the trade with a future unpredictable injury in mind. And I think that that was more of the nature of this back injury than the narrative has swayed. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Don't want to be too uh, results biased. Yeah, so Stefan Bondi was tweeting like, can you believe the Nets traded James Harden for a guy who won't play at all this season? And I was thinking, well, they had no idea about that at the time. His MRI was clean. He was in great shape. He was practicing every day, full full go. His back just flared up. If, so, If Stefan Bondi said that before the trade, right after the trade, then I'm happy to um, – yeah, I'm happy yeah. to give him props, but you know, he's to just say it now, the hindsight line, yeah, yeah. Um, one one thing before we get out of here, I want to ask you: Some Nets fans are frustrated that Kyrie Irving got so much of a spotlight for not being vaccinated. Now, as teams consider a first round matchup in Toronto, uh, fans are frustrated that they are not getting the same level of scrutiny. Guys like Matisse Thybul, possibly one of the Boston Celtics stars. You know, this could be potentially devastating consequence for a team in the first round who would otherwise win that series or be confident they could, and they're not going to get the same stigma that Kyrie has. Any thoughts on that sort of position? I think that just comes with being a great player, being a guy with whose name brand, having recognition, playing in a big market, playing on Kevin Durant's team, being on a contender. I mean, these other guys we're talking about, you know, Matisse Thibault, with all due respect, he's he's a role player. <laughs> so that's all that's all that's all that is. I mean, it's not nothing. It's a luxury. It's a luxury that it's in the spotlight. Exactly. Yeah. That's just part of it. Uh and Kyrie Irving, his numbers at the rim are down. He's not getting to the rim as much. He's shooting a lot. 
any worry there or concern there? Do you think that's some people have speculated that's re- related to his mini slump as he acclimates to being a full-time player again? Turns out when you don't play once a week, it's a little bit harder. <laughs> not not surprising. Um, I think I think we can all look at it now and say it was definitely an advantage to kind of you know play once every nine or ten days. I'm not too worried about it. He's always been a gamer. He plays big in big games, big moments. Um, I, I think he'll be fine in the playoffs. But yeah, he's not going to average um, 45 points a game and drop 60 casually the way we were seeing when he was only playing road games. Fair point. But he looks fine to me. I mean, I don't see any, I don't see any like issues with the way he's playing or he doesn't look slow to me. He looks fine. What what are your thoughts? Yeah, I have seen, I know what people are saying at the rim and he has had some cold shooting games. Um, they did certainly begin when he was a full-time player. You know, he was thrown into the fire. He was all of a sudden playing in Miami. And then the next one was a back-to-back in his home debut. And obviously he had some jitters against the Hornets, missed a bunch of shots. You know, it, people, I play fantasy football. People always talk about how come DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett don't go off in the same game. It's always one of them. We've seen some of that from Kyrie and Durant taking turns. It's your night. You drop 50, I drop 60, you drop 30. Uh, and it's, we haven't seen a ton of games where they both get it going. Even that game where the big three of KD Harden and Kyrie blew out the bulls. Remember like it feels like lifetimes ago back in January, Kyrie only had nine points in that game. So there have been games, there have been recent games, like the game against the Sixers. They both had it going game against the Miami heat. I mean, it's nothing you can do when they both play like that on any given night. If you get both KD and Kyrie on, they could upset, they could go into Miami and win. they could go into Milwaukee and win. I mean, let's be honest, Kyrie alone dropped 38 in Milwaukee. Kevin Rant wasn't in the lineup, and they got the win. So this team is a terrifying, terrifying first-round team. If you have to play them, it is a brutal reward for your hard-earned one seed or two seed. Absolutely. And when we speak next, am I wrong that the play-in will be over or in the in the, in the middle of happening? I guess we'll have to... We'll have to schedule the next episode uh, after a big Nets playing game. Yeah, there's a good chance. That, well, they'll probably have played one game by then. I don't know if they'll have played both by the next time, but we'll schedule around that. So, yeah, begins on the 12th. That's next Tuesday. Nice. Good stuff. Um, do you want to start a brigade chant? Brooklyn. 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 It was funny to see the uh, the brigade out at the garden. Kevin Durant did say, like he, like you mentioned, he's acknowledged it's a Nets town. I mean, it's a Knicks town, but he said, I've been hearing more and more Nets fans at these garden games lately. Yeah, he was. Um, I I had no idea that Kevin Durant's not lost to the Knicks since 2013. But as he said, it's I don't just, think uh, he knew that either. <laughs> he was told that. Yeah, I don't think he knew that either. But. Um, of you, you know, as he said, it's it's more fodder for Twitter. So tune in. Someone, someone got to send him a bing bong video right now. No, no bing bong photos sliding into Katie's DMs, guys. Come on. 
<laughs> Who do you think was the fan that was like, you know what, Kevin Durant? I think it was little Nicky. I, th- I think it was little Nicky. I, I could be wrong, but he, m- he might have some burners scattered across Twitter. Little Nicky Wright said that Giannis passed KD. <laughs> and, so, and so he decided, you know what, he's got to see this Bing Bong video. That, that'll show him. All right. All right, Greg, thanks. <clears throat> thanks for your input. And by this time next week, Hopefully we'll have some uh, happy plans to talk about. Talk soon, Dave. All right, run the table. Take care.